On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we come face-to-face with not one, but two Will Smiths. That's right. We saw Gemini Man, and we gonna talk about it. Get your popcorn ready. Who are you? Your DNA and his. Identical. What the hell is all of this? Gemini. I'm just an icon living. He knows too much, Junior. He has to die. What else is Gemini hiding? He's just the beginning. This perfect version of you. You had your time. It's my time now. Gemini Man, October 11th, rated PG-13. Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining us, as usual, is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? Feeling great. Are you feeling great? Are you feeling younger? Are you feeling, feeling like, younger. Feeling like 25 years younger? Yep, well, absolutely. Good. good, because that is much like the plot of the movie we went and saw, the movie that came out this weekend and did not beat Joker, like not even close, at the box office. But Will Smith's new movie, Ang Lee's new movie. If I if I came here, David, right now and I told you uh, Ang Lee is directing a new movie mm-hmm. with Will Smith produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, like wh- how does that make you feel? I get pretty excited. I mean, I'm not like this massive Ang Lee fan, but no. it's always fun to see. He always tries. It seems like he's always pushing the envelope. And, you know, Will Smith, despite a fair amount of whiffs lately. He's Will Smith. I'm, he's still Will Smith. He's, he's still, still someone movie. I'm interested in knowing what he's doing. So Gemini Man is what we're talking about. And, you know, I guess we're not we won't get too far into it, David. There's a. There's a lot of history with this movie. Before we even want to talk about the quality of the film and 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 what we thought coming coming out of it, I suppose there's a lot of history in regards to this movie, and you can't help but talk about that history with this movie. This movie basically languished in development hell for 22 years. Most movies don't get made. After 22 years of sitting in development hell, they just don't. But this movie sat. It was a. It was an idea, uh, uh, a concept, if you will, that was developed back in 1997 by Darren Lemke, who developed this concept apparently, and then didn't do anything until 2004 when he started working on Lost. Mm-hmm. And he's done stuff since then. He's worked on like Shrek Forever After. He's is. Hollywood's a weird place, right? And so this guy basically spent seven years after this concept was developed till his next big project. At least that's what I could find on IMDb. That's all I could find on like his Wikipedia page. There wasn't anything between 1997 and 2004. But he, gave, he made up this idea, this idea of an aging hitman or an aging assassin, I suppose is a better... Better way to describe it, being forced to go face-to-face, toe-to-toe with his younger self. Oh, that definitely sounds like a concept that was created in the 90s. Sure. It's 
it's not in 2017 well not 2017 2019 not exactly like a novel concept no. i i would argue no um, i wouldn't i wouldn't either it, there were because there, there was a lot of that there was a lot of that in the 80s and 90s it's like how can we put this guy against himself well clo- cloning was a whole lot more topical back then too you That's, had like yeah. dolly the sheep yep and like stuff that was going on yeah i think there's even a dolly the sheep uh reference in this I, there is there is and and that to me reminds me of the 90s i don't remember the last cloning story even though i'm sure that technology has continued to progress and sure. be tested despite the creepiness of it <laughs> but it's not really like this landmark news this headline news like it was maybe back then and so i'm sure there's not as many people sitting there thinking you know what if we clone this or right. I wonder what would happen if we clone this. I mean, for a little bit of reference, and again, we're going, we're go, we're going back. But for a little bit of reference, you have the sixth day with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he's going toe to toe with himself. And then you you had movies like you had like they weren't necessarily clones per se, but you had every time it's like oh Jean Claude Van Damme is fighting himself in Double Impact, you know. Uh, Aeon Flux, all these movies, Hitman, you know, there's been movies about clones. I think even Oblivion was one. Um, not exactly. Multiplicity. Multiplicity. Hey, there you go. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that, uh, when did that movie, that, that movie 96. came out? 96. <laughs> so somebody saw Multiplicity and was like, oh, what if we make yeah. that an action movie, <laughs> right? So this thing sat in development hell for... 22 years, and over the course of that time, there were several directors attached to it. Tony Scott, who's who's since passed. Curtis Hansen, who directed L.A. Confidential, my favorite movie. Joe Carnahan, a, f- a favorite of the podcast, a good friend of the podcast here. Director of Smoke and Aces, Aces, A-Team. All these guys were attached to direct at some point in the last 22 years. You found a list of actors Right, that were attached. Who are all the the like? Because obviously, this is this is a a movie star kind of role. This is we need a big A list guy or girl or whoever, but we need an A list person who's popular enough to make two of them <laughs> and have him fight himself. So, who were some of the actors that we went through? Because there's like a dozen. Or like at least there's a lot, percent. you know, we have pretty much and it makes sense knowing when this was first kind of thought up. Some of these actors make a little bit more sure. sense than maybe they do now. But we have everything from Harrison Ford, Chris O'Donnell, Mel Gibson, John Voight, Nicolas Cage, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Clint Eastwood, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Sean Connery. Those were a ton of the people that were. <laughs> Did you say Johnny Depp? I think Johnny Depp was attached too. Uh, he might have I mean, been. Not that wasn't that on the initial list that I found, but there was so many names of, affiliated with it at, at some point. Well, and that, I mean, I would watch. I would argue that everybody except maybe Chris O'Donnell, I would watch fight themselves. <laughs> like I'd be in. I'd be in to watch old man John Voight try to beat up like thirty year old John Voight. That'd be maybe not now. But back in 97, that might be interesting. 
So not only are the, all these actors attached at one point, but it also goes through a litany of writers as well. And just to give, and I know this is obviously something that I take interest in because it's what I went to school for. I went to school for screenwriting. I love tracking writers. Some of our favorite movies are from some of our favorite writers. But listen to this murderer's row of writers who took a stab at this. So first you have Billy Ray. Billy Ray wrote, uh, one of our favorites from last year, Overlord, and wrote the new Terminator Dark Fate. He's written he's written a couple of other things, but those are his two most recent ones. Andrew Nichol, who wrote The Truman Show, wrote and directed Gattaca. David Benioff, and if any of you know Benioff, then you know Benioff and Weiss, because those boys ran Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You got Brian uh, Helgeland, or Helgeland, I can't, can never pronounce his name, he wrote L.A. Confidential and wrote A Knight's Tale. You have Jonathan Hensley, who wrote Jumanji and Armageddon. And then you have the writing partner of Stephen Ravel and Christopher Wilkinson, who were responsible for Nixon back in the day. Mm-hmm. So not maybe not as relevant now. But these guys took huge swings at this, at this movie trying to make this happen. And I believe the only three credited screenwriters now are Benioff, Billy Ray, and Lemke for his original idea. So credit to Lemke for sticking it out and still having his name attached to the idea here. But then I think it was 2017 when Ang Lee was brought on. And that, I think, changed a little bit of the focus of what this movie is because Ang Lee, you had mentioned earlier ang lee is getting into this habit or he's kind of it's kind of his mo to push the boundaries of special effects push the boundaries of filmmaking he's trying to do things differently than maybe anybody um and so he came on you know he he decided he wanted to shoot it in a high frame rate which is how peter jackson shot the hobbit movies it's how Ang Lee shot his last movie, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Um, and it's it's hard, it's a hard sell, the high frame rate, because it makes everything – it removes the motion blur. It makes everything look like it's moving too fast. But in reality, high frame rate is how we view out of our own eyes. You know, when mm-hmm. we – when we view out of our own eyes, we see it very similarly. We don't we don't have that type of of motion blur or whatever that movies typically give you. And so that's something that Ang Lee has been trying to do. That's what he wanted to bring to this movie. And obviously we wanted to push the computer effects so that not only could we create another Will Smith, which, you know, Will Smith was brought on, obviously, but not only are we creating a double Will Smith, but we're creating a younger Will Smith. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 Aging him back to a Will Smith that we grew up with, basically. Aging him back basically half his life to pre-Men in Black days. Kind of, what movie was he in? Made in America days, you know? And that's where, and and so this movie came out of it. And, And again, I would argue that this movie is not very special. What, no. what do you, what would you what would you think? No, I don't think there's anything necessarily the storyline as we talked about has been done in different ways before. Right. It's not like it's some crazy unique out there story. Um 
I think the only thing that you, you come back to that maybe you think about would be the technology and, and us continuing to have this trend of displaying this de-aging technology. You think about all the movies that we've been running into this lately. Um, I think the most, the biggest name one that's still yet to come is the Irishman. Oh yeah. Um, with that whole group of people that we known forever mm -hmm. and de-aging them back to, you know, maybe their prime from that standpoint. Right. So I think that's obviously Marvel the, does it. You Marvel's know. done it a ton, obviously, but, um, yeah, I think it's just a, a further identification. And I think the difference with this one is that it, it felt like they went out of their way to like show it off. Sure. Like most of the movies that we've seen de-aging happen in is just them de-aged. Sure. You know, maybe it's a flashback, maybe it's the entire movie, but regardless, they're just de-aged. Mm -hmm. This one, you know, they specifically go out of their way to show off current Will Smith, de-aged Will Smith, and have next you be able to create... Yeah, to be able to see them next to each other. But that, to me, is the only thing that I would say would be that people will probably remember this movie for. Sure. Overall. And, you know, credit where credit's due. They're, they're putting their cards on the table. You know, they're, they're using film tricks and stuff like that to try and do it. But, but, yeah, it's just it's such a weird movie to exist because you have all of this talent involved. You have Ang Lee, who is a multiple-time Academy Award winner. You have Will Smith, one of the biggest movie stars in the world. You have Jerry Bruckheimer, one of the most successful producers ever. And ultimately, you have this really good-looking, fairly well-acted, competently produced, well-directed, you know, it looks, like, visually beautiful, shitty 90s jerry bruckheimer movie where the plot and the motivations aren't really up to snuff they're kind of blasé they're kind of unimpressive you know as we said before we were talking about it, it this isn't the first movie to ever put an actor against himself it's not that it's not that big of a deal anymore no it's not that exciting anymore. Maybe it was exciting back in 97 because we just made, you know, four Michael Keatons. But now it's like, okay, we've done all of this. We've done all of this in the same movie. Hell, Terminator has been trying to do the same damn thing the last three movies where you got old Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting young Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it's, it's not that novel of a concept, but you get the talent involved. You get Ang Lee involved in this movie, and he mm -hmm. basically uses it as a science experiment yeah. to push together to push through his his filmmaking technique. And then you get Will Smith, and you and I both wanted to take a moment to talk about Will Smith. Now I don't have a I don't have a lot written down on Will Smith, but suffice it to say, he's had a pretty interesting career. You know, he started all the way back. We actually. And I don't know if this is a good time to mention it or not. Maybe I could mention it a little bit further in the conversation. But at uh, one of the conferences I was just at for our work, for a, a real person job, yeah, somebody brought up Will Smith's strategy to making it big. And he looked at the top films of all time. And this is true, I think, for the most part. He looked at the top films of all time and he realized the majority of those films had um, creatures in it. And they were action movies, and they had a love story in it. 
And when you look at his movies, like that tracks. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in his movies. There's a lot of, um, I mean, you just think about it. You think about Men in Black. You think about uh, Independence Day. Like, let, let's look at some of them. Like, he did Bad Boys, sure. And he did Independence Day. He did Men in Black. He did Wild Wild West. He did Men in Black 2. And it hasn't always been his thing, but he did iRobot. You know, he's always come back to that. He did Hancock. He did Men in Black 3. So there's always an angle. There's always, he's always been sci-fi friendly, sci-fi action adventure friendly. But what are your thoughts on Will Smith as an actor? I mean, obviously he's been doing this for a long time. We grew up with Will Smith. He's been our superstar. You know, when you and I saw, when Independence Day came out, we were 10. So we were perfect for that. Independence Day, Men in Black came out. I still remember back in 1997, I remember hearing about the Men in Black trailer. And I remember the image that I got in my head, but I remember somebody saying, oh, it's Will Smith, he's holding a three-barrel shotgun. And I'm like, a three-barrel shotgun? That sounds awesome. So what about you? What are your thoughts on Will Smith as a, as a, as a superstar? I think as it, our superstar, basically. I think at the end of the day... It's been kind of, I, I think it's a very much a mixed bag for, for what I think of Will Smith. I think you always saw like the ability there and the charm and all that to be, you know, one of those all timers. And that's not to say that he isn't, and he's still got plenty of time to go from that standpoint. But at the same time, like I think when he burst onto the scene and did some of those early uh, movies, it felt like okay, like this is. Like, pretty much, if Will Smith does a movie, it's gonna gonna cash money. Oh, you know? yeah! Like the amount, like that guy was, like, of the living embodiment of like charm. Absolutely, a lot of things that I think you know, for translating it to now, like what we think of with The Rock, and in, in a lot of things, obviously different, different build, different actor doing slightly different films. Sure, but I think you know people talk a lot too, and you and I have talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. How you know, The Rock also feels very calculated in what he's doing and what he's playing and the roles that he's taking and those types of things. Right. It's similar to a lot of ways, you know, that you see from Will Smith. I think the difference being, at least lately, it feels like, is there's been a lot of misses. Um, and some of it feels like almost, you know, you had like something like After Earth where right. I'm not saying that the movie was terrible because I didn't see it. But it, <laughs> <laughs> I did. It's eh. I didn't hate it as much as a lot of people. Sure. Hated it. But it, 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 it didn't do well. And, no. you know, it could be that he was going out of his way to do something with his son. Maybe it was, you know, the guy has enough money. He doesn't necessarily have to do that. But I guess at the end of the day, other than Ali, like I don't nothing comes to mind where it feels like we really maximized will smith's abilities like his talent yeah like i would i would argue that like maybe aladdin was you know stretching them a little bit more but he's still playing you know a character and a and a personality that we big willy back in aladdin again like aladdin yeah, was like it's oh more, big it's, willy's back it's more of like a throwback than necessarily a, a big departure from who he sure. is and what he normally does so i think in my mind i would have expected that we would have 
had you know more Oscar films with him in. I guess he took a run with Concussion yeah, a couple he years did. ago. He, he took a run. He did obviously Pursuit of Happiness. He took a run with. He did Focus, Concussion, Collateral Beauty, like all of those. Like he took a took a swing at, and they all kind of. You know, yeah, it's it's interesting. I it would be it'd be interesting to know what roles he wanted that he didn't get. Um, if if there's that fit that category, right? Or I mean, there's one role we always know that it would have been super interesting to see him in, which is Django, uh, yeah, and being in a Tarantino movie like that would have been super interesting to see, and I think would have given more depth to his career. Like, I feel like all of his movies or most of his movies are very like kind of surface level, like even Pursuit of Happiness. I know like there's some intense and and super, uh, you know, heartfelt moments in there and that. But it right. still feels like kind of a similar note to their movie getting. star roles. It's almost yeah. like Tom Cruise, but without the critical and that's not right. Without the award success that Tom Cruise has. And again, Tom Cruise hasn't won in a single Academy Award, but he's been nominated three times, two times, two, at least twice, if not three times. He got nominated for Magnolia. I think Tom Cruise, I think Tom Cruise is a a good comparison or at least later in life. Tom Cruise is a good one where he's playing a lot of the same characters, right? He's He's got Cruise. He's got kind of, he's got kind of a formula and you either enjoy Tom Cruise or Or you don't. don't. And I think with Will Smith, a lot of his career has spent with like it's a Will Smith movie. Like you either like Will Smith movies or they're not. Right? Is it really action Will Smith or is it serious Will Smith? Sure. He's basically got those. There's two two, two ends. To it. And in this we get uh, in this I, I would argue we kind of get a little bit of both here, in terms of performance because you get action Will Smith obviously, and you get you get to see some of those skills he learned playing Deadshot too. Sure. He gets to keep some of those gun handling skills. Yep. But there's I. There's a surprising amount of depth in his performance as both in uh, a man who's feels like he's, you know, aging out of this portion of his life and his uh, it's hard. We, I mean, is his performance as the young version of himself an actual performance? How much of that was aged by being completely realized by CGI, stuff like that. But I found it to be fairly effective as well. Um the thing about this movie, and I guess this is a good opportunity as any to get into the non-spoiler thoughts, but I feel like the biggest failing of this movie is the plot. Like, it's fine for an action movie. Like, the setup, like, old retiring assassin being hunted down and has to fight his younger self. Like, okay, cool, I'm in. Oh, Will Smith's playing him. Cool, I'm in. But that's really all there is to it. That's it. There's no huge massive conspiracy there's obviously a guy behind the scenes there's a bad guy behind the scenes but it just doesn't land it doesn't yeah there's there's not a lot of depth and i think that's where it kind of echoes of what i feel like unfortunately a lot of will smith movies are sure in that it's gonna be you're gonna enjoy it probably um but there's not gonna it's not gonna be memorable right from that standpoint it's it's popcorn, but you're going to walk away probably not talking about it a whole a whole lot. Sure. Um, you know, because even even things that you see in the trailer and, and we won't get too deep into this just yet. But like 
you have the line from Clive Oven in one of the trailers where it's like you're him without all the baggage. Right. Like we get like a footnote of what this supposed baggage baggage that makes this person that makes Will Smith's actual character, not the clone character, like having baggage. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's kind of weird. Like you would expect to see a much more conflicted and like actually have baggage like but I think some of this goes back to like how calculated Will Smith is like right like if it was a different character like his baggage might have been like we would have seen him like drunk with a bunch of beer bottles and like that sure. being some of his baggage I mean, his or baggages I've killed a lot of people he's killed a lot of people but you're an assassin dude yeah no shit. his baggage has killed a lot of people and his dad left him when he was five right like, I never had a human connection or and it's like connection okay like like i would argue that most people and and granted most people haven't killed as many people as this character has but most people (laughs) would argue that like this isn't like your traditional like oh he's got a lot of baggage oh Oh, your daddy left oh you had to kill a bunch of people it's your job like deal with it yeah doesn't seem like that big of a deal at least not from a movie perspective like not to downplay you know, losing a father and things like that. But at the same time, like for that to be like a reason to like, I got to go clone someone because I want to get away from all the baggage that that person has. Right. You take, take that off. You take that and you compare it to a character like Captain America, who admittedly has had multiple films to tell his story. Sure. But he's got the baggage of being who he was, you know, becoming Captain America, losing his friend in the war, having to fight in World War II, losing his life because he's got to go. He gets frozen and he wakes up, so he's man out of time. Like, that's baggage. Sure. That's like a lot of stuff weighing on you. You know, not it's uh, I've been an assassin for 20 years and I'm really, really great at it. And I live a pretty great life. And, you know, uh, I'm starting to get tired and starting to get old. And maybe one day you and I will get to that point where we start cresting over that point in our lives. Sure. But it just didn't seem, as far as plot goes, it didn't seem, it, it certainly didn't warrant this movie getting made. Like, this movie didn't get made because it's some amazing story that needed to be told. No. But, you know, that being said, I thought the performances are, you know, pretty solid. Will Smith is pretty solid. He's got a couple of moments I had mentioned before where he shows actual depth. You can see it in his eyes. Yeah. He's acting his ass off. He's doing a great job. Um, the, the rest of the cast, I mean, this cast really, (laughs) we were saying earlier, this cast goes four characters deep before it really drops Yeah, I I enjoyed Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character. She's great. Clive Owen was fine. He was Clive Owen. He's Clive Um, Owen. He just doesn't have a lot to do. Benedict, Benedict Wong was Benedict Wong. You know, the type of like supporting character that we've come to. You have the aging assassin. You have the capable female. Uh, on the run with him you have the evil corporate guy and then you have the adventurous buddy making jokes yeah like it's boilerplate and then random like foreign bad guys people informants all that kind of stuff yeah that that are just like a bunch of guys who feel slightly miscast like he's his handler yeah who's a guy like i know i know ralph brown he's been around i didn't know his name was ralph brown but when i clicked on his imdb i was like oh yeah he was in that but he just doesn't feel like the type of guy who would be Will Smith's handler for like you need like a Ray Winstone or something like yeah, that's I, a handler. Yeah, for sure. So it is weird how some of the smaller roles were miscast, but 
they clearly blew through their casting budget with Will Smith, Clive Owen, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Benedict Wong. I think they also were like, okay, we recognize this movie is what it is. It's not going to be a 500 million box office movie. Yeah. So. I mean, it got released in October. So we're spending a lot of money on this de-aging technology. (laughs) We can't go ham on the casting. So we need to stay in this budget. And it felt like because of the cost that de-aging still is at this point and some of the effects that, you know, goes with an Ang Lee movie, it felt like. We had to uh, cut some corners when it came to casting. And I get it. And so that leads us to the last thing we can talk about, non-spoilers, and that is the technology, the effects of the film. What do you think about it? I think it's like 80% great. Like, yeah. I think in 80% of the scenes... And not good, but legitimately like pretty yeah. freaking great. Yeah, I think in 80% of the movie, it's, it's, it's great. Um, I think... One thing that we haven't seen de-aging a whole lot so far, even with Marvel movies, is we haven't seen a ton of action with de-aging technology. So like sure. seeing characters run around, fight, jump, all that kind of stuff, be in close contact and 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 fight someone who's not being de-aged. Like there's a lot of kind of technology that this took it into places that we hadn't been. And I think with that, when you have that action and some of that kind of stuff, it's a little less forgiving uh, at, at times. So sure. the funny thing is, is I thought it really shined in a lot of the action sequences. Um, there was moments, you know, where you're like, okay, this is big time CGI, you know, like that type of thing oh, where yeah. it becomes very evident. And like, I think, oh my God. And I think sometimes with the technology, that's where it kind of works against itself. Like when you do such a good job in 80% of the film, it's very noticeable when you don't do that same level. Right. And right. so I think we saw it in a couple places and you and I obviously were talking about it. You read many of the reviews, you'll see it too. Like it ends on a sour note from it's, it, but that doesn't take away the good job it does for the majority of the film. It does. Now, did you see it in high frame rate 3D? Did you I, s- I did not. I saw it in the just standard theater. So I wonder what that looks like because there are some shots in this film that are clearly designed to be enjoyed in the high frame rate. Like there are shots of like forearms, like there's tattoos on forearms that are just interestingly angled shots yeah. that work better in 3D. There's one fisheye shot of the train. Remember mm-hmm. that fisheye yep, shot yep, of the train? I remember that. And that plays really well. There's some, the action, the, the motorcycle fight is probably the best part of the movie. Yeah. And it's awesome. And that in in 3D high frame rate is worth the price of admission, honestly. Uh, the action in this movie is really solid. It's really good action all the way around. And you got to mention that when you're talking about a Bruckheimer movie. The plot is leaving something to be desired. But when you watch the, the, the fighting and the shootouts in, in high frame rate HD 3D, I, there are a couple times like, oh, wow, like this mm-hmm. looks crazy good. It looks mm-hmm. really interesting. But as you said, sometimes, you know, it doesn't hit the mark. And when it doesn't hit the mark, when everything's hitting the mark so much and something doesn't hit the mark, you notice. It's like yeah. it's like a grade point average. You know, if you're hitting hundreds every time and you get 180 percent, guess what? That 80 percent is knocking that sure. hundred down significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so let's. uh you know, with all that being said, there's a couple things I want to talk about spoilers wise. But before we do, 
We got to do the popcorn ratings. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now, if you've never listened to an episode before, our popcorn ratings work a little bit differently than most other ratings. Instead of giving something four or five stars or a thumbs up or whatever, we have five different popcorn ratings that we can give a movie, starting with burnt popcorn, meaning a movie is garbage. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. Even if it's free, don't bother. We have stale popcorn, meaning like eh, if you got to watch it in a pinch, fine. Don't spend more than a dollar on it. You know, catch it on streaming. We have microwave popcorn, which is much like microwave popcorn, pretty in the middle. It's fine. It's okay. Your mileage may vary. The best microwave popcorn is pretty good for those who enjoy it. And for those who don't enjoy it, it's not as good. So it's firmly in the middle. Microwave popcorn means it's okay. Then we have movie theater popcorn, which means you should probably go see this in the movie theater. You should probably go check it out. It's worth paying the money, investing the time, and going to see on a big screen. And then last, of course, we have our perfect popcorn, meaning you need to go out and see this movie as soon as humanly possible. And if we're anywhere in the middle on one of those, we always throw a soda in there. We'll give it microwave popcorn and a soda if we're ever in the middle. So for me, David, it's hard. This one is really hard, and this is my second review in a row where I'm kind of on the fence about it because this is a movie that I feel is at its best. It's peak viewing uh, um, optimization when you are seeing it on the biggest screen possible in 3D in a high frame rate. Like that is how Ang Lee directed this movie. That is how he wants people to see it. And so it's hard for me to not say like go see this on a big screen if you're going to see it. Because other than that, it's microwave popcorn for me. Like, it's middle in the road. It's fine. It's not aggressively insulting. It's not so bad. Everybody in here is doing good work. The story really lets things down. So that's where I'm at. I'm saying it's microwave popcorn. Unless you have any desire to see this movie, then you should go see it in a big theater. But if, you, if you're if you on the fence about it, you know, whatever. So that's what I'm giving it, microwave popcorn. What about you? I am going to give it three popcorn microwave popcorn and we're okay. gonna throw a coke in there so okay. um i do think it does some things visually that you know going and seeing it and i wish i would have seen it in the the 3d even though i my distaste for 3d um <laughs> sure i i do wish i had seen it only because of some of the things that it did specifically for that that way of seeing it oh yeah um so i i think that's an experience and things that you can't see if you're watching it on a small screen and so I think um, from that standpoint if you're into you know things that push the boundaries visually and that and you go into it with the right mindset I think you'd enjoy this movie do I think you need to rush out and see it you know this this weekend type of thing no I don't think so probably um, maybe if you got a gift card for a movie theater it'd be a good 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 use of it from yeah. that standpoint but uh I, I enjoyed seeing it in the theaters. I'm glad I saw it in there. I think I probably would have gotten more bored with it if I was watching it at home. It would be easier to get distracted. Oh, for sure. It. If you watch um, this on a plane or at home, you're losing, like, I would argue you're losing at least 50% of yeah. what makes this movie worth your for time. For sure. For sure. So that that's why I give it a, 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 a soda with it to push it a little bit above that microwave popcorn. But... Um, Definitely, is you know, I don't, I I had a good time with it. It's just not one of those that I'm going to walk away being all pumped up and telling everybody about. It's fine. 
It's, it's, you could do worse. You could do way worse. Um, all right. Well, we got to talk about spoilers. We've got some spoiler questions. I kind of want to dive into it a little bit deeper and talk about nitpicks and favorite parts. But before we do that, we got to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get regular episodes of this podcast, of The Popcorn Diet, delivered to you for free by hitting that subscribe button. Take a second. Take just one little second. Hit that subscribe button. Write us a rating. Write us a review. Five stars wherever you're listening from us, and you can get those episodes delivered directly to you. Also, share the, you know, share the Popcorn Diet with your other good movie buddies. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Consider throwing a few bucks towards the podcast. If you like the podcast, give us a buck. Give us a couple of bucks if you like what we're doing. Um, if not, then you know, keep listening. We're still going to keep doing it. But not only is that going to help us improve the podcast, but it's going to give you access to exclusive patron-only episodes like our franchise refills, like our Oscar primers coming up. It also gives you early access ad-free to our regular episodes. I do want to shout out our newest patron, Jessica Gallagher, good friend of the podcast, just joined up and became a patron. So be like Jessica. Be more like Jessica. Go to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and become a patron. Of course, we also we don't want you to forget you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, Oscar predictions, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But now spoiler time, David. And there's not, I mean, again. This isn't a movie with a huge amount of spoilers that like are, are dying to be discussed here. Um, I would like to talk about the action a little bit in a little bit more detail. Yeah. Uh, and obviously we got to nitpick the hell out of it because the things that aren't great about this movie are so fun to nitpick. Sure. But like, again, it, this is movie's got a handful of action sequences. Um, the ones and correct me if I'm wrong or, or Refresh my memory if I'm forgetting any, but the big shootout slash motorcycle chase in Brazil or wherever they are. They're in South America somewhere, I think. Um, that's like the centerpiece of this movie. And then you have the um, kind of fight in the catacombs, the mm-hmm. kind of hand-to-hand stuff. And then you have the finale, which is all in the kind of little private little town of Gemini where they're fighting the soldiers and they're fighting the tanks and they have the Gatling guns and things like that. Am I missing one? Like there's smaller stuff like him trying to escape the hit squad and stuff like that. Yeah. You got that a little bit. That's more, I would argue more like shootings, you know, like taking out snipers and that there's not, it's definitely action, but there's no like hand to hand comment aspect of it other than, um, uh, Danny Marie or uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character mm-hmm. has that fight in the boathouse area. Okay, um, yeah. But outside of that, no, I think those are the the main fight scenes that we get. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much it. And the again, the the stuff with the motorcycle chase is really great. Like when he starts using the motorcycle to smack his older self around junior and Henry it's Henry right yeah Henry yeah um, junior and Henry is basically Henry's the old one juniors obviously the young one but I really liked a lot of that I liked how they used the motorcycles as weapons I liked how they had their shootout standoff and things like that I was really into all of that but 
the last shootout stuff was really good too. And that's one of the things I was thinking about with, with the high frame rate and the 3D mm-hmm. because the explosions and the tracers on the bullets and the way that they were cutting through that building yeah. and whatnot was really impressive. Yeah. Uh, it, it looked great. Um, I do got to say, though, I'm really cheesed off that they got to do Benedict Juan like that at the end. Yeah, that was kind of lame. I was super. I'm like, like they're, I, they're rolling down the SUV. Also, I didn't think it was that hard of a tr- This is a whole nother conversation. But they're rolling down the SUV. It's Junior. It's Henry. It's it's Mary Elizabeth Winston. It's Benedict Wong. Wasn't it a van? Van. Sure, yeah. And um, they turn the corner, and it's basically a tank. It's an armored vehicle with, like, a yeah. missile launcher on yeah. it. And they're all like, get out! And they appear to jump out. The car explodes. And then Will Smith Henry, you know, gets up and yells, like, Baron, no. Yeah. And I'm like, that's how you're going to kill Benedict Wong like that? Like, you didn't have to do that. Yeah. It, it Keep him alive. It seemed like a really weird decision. Like, I was fine with killing off Benedict Wong, but, like, him just three of the four people being able to jump out of the car but right. him. And I get it. Like, that's why it was a van. Sure. Because his side didn't have a door. So, like, it makes sense that, sure. like, it would have been harder for him to get out. But again, like, it's such a cheesy way to do it. It didn't like, have any impact. Like, you didn't get one last shot of his face. Like, oh, shit. You didn't even see him die. You didn't like, see him die. You didn't see a you body. You just assume he's dead. In the, that's why at first I was like, oh, he's oh maybe back. he's going to come back. Like, he didn't actually blow up. Like, he was on the other side of the vehicle and knocked out or something. Uh-huh. And Will Smith didn't see him. And he gets up and he says, like, something funny. Yeah. You know, and like then, I, I thought we would still get him, but no, they just at the end he goes like, "I just got back from spare, from spreading Baron's ashes in the ocean." I'm like, "Damn, man!" And it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if you try to pull that move with the funny best friend, you're basically it's one of two directions: either a, oh, he's gonna pop up and that's predictable, or b, oh, he's really dead and that's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, I was disappointed by it. Um, he was my favorite part. I, I love Benedict Wong in this movie. He's great. I want Benedict Wong to do way more things. I also want a toucan now. <laughs> I would like to own a toucan because of it. David, what would you say is the best, not use, but the best showcase of technology on display here? And it could be, now granted, you didn't see the high frame rate. Um, but if you did, you could make the argument that both of the action sequences were pretty amazing showcases for the technology they are what make this movie special what makes this movie special is those action sequences and the way that they are filmed yeah um but for you what would you say is the best showcase of the quote-unquote technology on display the de-aging the the shots the whatever if you Uh, had to pick if you had to be like look at this movie guys this movie has crazy special effects or is this movie's made like this movie is on a technical level that just is really unique. What would you show people? I mean, it's hard not to say the de-aging because while you take it for granted and it's easy to be nitpicky about it, like if you take a step back and just think what we're seeing on screen, like we're seeing like a younger we're seeing like Fresh Prince Will Smith yeah. on screen. 25 years later mm-hmm. like and pretty and being accurate. and being able to interact and for it not to feel like like not that we haven't seen like younger versions of people on screen before but sure. it was like 
you know, completely CG and it was like a reinterpretation of them almost. Like it wasn't like if you went back to actual the actor Will Smith's old pictures of him at that age, like it wouldn't look like them. It was always like we're going to take this person and what they look like in this movie and show a younger version of them type of thing. And, And so it's not it's easy to just take it for granted because it's thrown into the film. It was obviously very much part of the marketing part of things. And so it's easy to just like trend towards the negative. Sure. Um, and I think that's a credit to how good it is in this film in that like, you're not thinking about it, um, in a lot of the portions of the action. Like you're not thinking of it as a CGI character. You're thinking of it as a real character that maybe looks funny in a couple scenes. If, if that makes sense, if I'm making my point clear here. Yeah, you are for sure. And, and what's funny is that there is a long history of, of younger, of characters appearing younger or older in movies. One of the, a couple that come to mind are Batman 1989 for me, because you have Jack Nicholson. Sure. But then you have the flashbacks where it's this, this younger Jack Nicholson looking guy who kills Batman's parents, spoiler for Batman 1989. Like, but that's clearly a different actor. Sure. Another way people have done it is different actor, like for example, a league of their own where you had Gina Davis, you had Lori Petty, and then they are actually played by older women who look a lot like them, but -hmm. they're dubbed over with Gina Davis's voice and Lori Petty's voice. And that one's really well done because you're wondering, is that makeup? Is that not makeup? And then obviously you have the makeup. The makeup can always make somebody older, but making somebody look younger is really, really, really hard to do. But Dennis Hoffman, uh, 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 Dustin Hoffman, excuse me, did it in The Man of All Seasons, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong and really screwing up my old movie history there. But like there are scenes in this movie, you alluded to it before, where there it's an action scene. And it's not just two of the same guy fighting one another, but it's like they put each other in a headlock and their faces are right next to one another. And that's really impressive. Like, it looks great. And there are scenes where uh, young Will Smith is talking with Clive Owen and he's just standing there and it's kind of a dimly lit room, but the emotion is all there. You know, the eyes and the, the sadness and the anger and the uh, confusion is really there and it really connects yep. and it's pretty effective. And I wish that Clive Owen was a better character and I wish that the <laughs> plot was better because this plot is like, what was the, the whole goal of why would you clone me? Why would you send him after me? Well, he's got to kill you because you're his dark shadow. And our goal is to clone the emotion out of soldiers and stuff like that. Like I've seen that in like a, like 30 movies. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't that impressive. What what would you say, David? I know the answer to this question, but we mentioned it a little bit. Where would you say that the technology did not succeed? Oh, it's it's I'll give you an honorable mention that stuck out to me when I was watching it. Okay. Um there's a scene and I can't I think it's when is when Clive Owens working on Junior after the first fight and kind of stitching them back together um and there's some close-ups of just like i would say like top half of the chest up and the body just looks way too big for the head like there's a couple times with the and again this is where you get nitpicky on the technology but there's a couple times 
with the effects where I feel like part of making, and I get it, younger people have smaller heads, but it's like we still have big Will, big Will Smith body with like a little bit of a shrunken little, head. Little baby Will Smith head. Um, <laughs> and and so I noticed it a little bit there, but it's there's not a debate. Like the biggest failing technology-wise is, is the last – seven minutes of the film it is and desperately i don't understand there's two things one if it was me and i was the director editor whoever gets final cut on this Mm -hmm. i would have been like you know what we don't even need this last scene like i get it most movies like to show the happily ever after but like we don't need it we don't need it and Mostly we don't need it because it looks like garbage. So so to set the scene, the end of the – for those of you who are listening, spoilers, who don't care about this movie, the uh, Will Smith uh, – which, again, I don't think it was that hard to flip the young Will Smith. Like once you tell him like I'm clearly you and I know where you've been and this guy's lying to you, like that doesn't seem like that hard of a sell, number one. Sure. Um, number two, at the end, they kill the bad guy and – they young Will Smith goes is off to college. Like I'm gonna get to live an actual life now, and they're walking on the college quad. I think if if I'm not mistaken, right? Full daylight. Sure. And he young Will and it's him, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, old Will Smith, and young Will Smith. And young Will Smith looks like a PlayStation Three character. He like, does. It is bad. And there are moments where like they cut within that scene. Like, okay, it's them walking towards the camera, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's so bad. And then it cuts to a different angle, and I'm like, well, eh, it doesn't look that bad. And then three seconds later, it's like, oh, no, like the jean jacket he's wearing doesn't have any texture on it. Like there's no – it doesn't – his hands aren't moving right. And I don't necessarily agree that that – you should cut it, but I don't know where that scene fell on the shooting schedule. I hope it was the first thing they shot and worked their asses off to try and complete it, like the entire production. But it doesn't feel like it. It just feels like it wasn't quite there. And for the most part, the technology is pretty impressive. I'm pretty impressed with with the way that they look. I'm looking at IMDb stills right now of the young Will Smith, and it's pretty great. It, it is... It is... Big Willie, it is Independence Day Will Smith. It's young Will Smith, and it yeah. looks great, especially wearing the shadows and the catacombs, literally one, two, three, four pictures where it's like dimly lit, and that obviously helps with CGI. We, we had the conversation before. Think about all the Jurassic Park movies and why their big action sequences are set during rainy nighttime scenes. Think about Lord of the Rings. And in my opinion, I know all of the Lord of, you know, Lord of the Rings battles are pretty great, but in my opinion, Helm's Deep is so much more iconic than some of the other battles because some of the other battles look CG. They look, I mean, when you have a ghost army involved, it's going to look CG. And Helm's Deep had just as much CG, but it was set during dark rainy time so nobody remembers it more it masks it more and that last scene just didn't have it they took away and it really felt like their last flex it was really like okay we're taking away all of the 
the shaky action. We're taking away all of the dim lighting. And here's what we are able to accomplish, everybody, in broad daylight. And it's just not there yet. It wasn't there yet. They needed maybe maybe Jerry Bruckheimer could have gave him like a few million maybe. more dollars. I don't maybe. know. So hey, uh, I, I have one one nitpick okay. on the on oh. the way out. Oh, you got one more. All right, one one Let's little go. nitpick. Let's go. I have an issue with the travel arrangements in here. So where do they all wind up jumping to? So we jump all around the world, which I'm fine. I I don't need to see people riding in airplanes for real, you know, and and there being you know realistic like no, but time they go frames. To like they go to South America. They go to Europe. They go to Colombia. They go to like Barcelona. somewhere in Asia because that's where. Uh, uh, Barron's hideout is okay. I believe is it's where either uh, Asia or Colombia. It might have been Colombia. Um, they go to Europe. They go to uh, yeah. They Italy? go to no. I don't think it's Germany. I don't, I don't remember Europe. Europe's in the catacombs. They fight in the catacombs in Europe. Oh yeah 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 yeah. But I thought. Uh, no, that's where the Yari guy is. Yeah, but it's the same location. They go to Yari. Yeah. And then they realize Junior tracked him there, which comes to your point. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, how the hell? Well, and, and there's the whole thing work? that he's got a tracking on him. But at the same time, like when someone gets on a plane, like you don't necessarily know where they're going to be at. As well as it always seems like, okay, we know where he's at and where they're like, Within minutes, it feels like as well as the main the main part where I really have my issue here is after the catacombs fight. Right. Yeah. Junior gets shot. Will Smith gets stabbed or Henry gets stabbed, almost drowned. They get immediately on the G6, the Gulfstream Mm -hmm. plane that they've been borrowing. We're flying to Atlanta. Okay. One junior doesn't know that. But you could argue, okay, he's going home. Sure. But regardless, they get there pretty quick to their plane, get on it, fly there, <laughs> straight there on a fast plane, mm-hmm. land. But somehow Junior, who, you know, arguably probably didn't have a getaway plan as quickly not planned out. Not only gets out, there first. Not only gets there first, has time to go to Clay. Clay. Talk, have his little, you know, moment with Clay. Yeah. Get all settled down from that, you know, eat some cereal or whatever, and uh, then change into his his gear again, mm-hmm. and then go out to the airport and sit there and be waiting for him. Get a dart filled with bee venom. Get a dart with bee venom. Find some... Uh, how, do you, how do you even do that? I mean, this seems like a lot... Of stuff that happens. Because you can't mobilize. Like, what are you What are you going to do? Like, they're flying, all right? So maybe you're trailing them. Yeah. But, I mean, he doesn't know with certainty that he's going to Atlanta. No. Again, so you're again. you're watching a, a blip on a screen, and it's like, okay, where are they flying to? Oh, they're flying towards Atlanta. But you don't know that oh, they're Oh, wait, no, stop. they're landing. Oh, 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 the blip stopped. All right, send our guys. Send our guys. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You don't know till they stop. Yeah. It's, it, uh... <laughs> It's a little interesting. So it's that weird. it's a, it's a nitpick, but again, in a movie like this, I expect to have some nitpicks. But I also didn't think the the there is the like final twist that there's like a third super clone, and he's even the young younger Will Smith. I did when they were talking about how he was going. The cloning program wasn't done. There was a comment one of the 
DIA or whatever organization they used the in this. The not CIA? Yeah, the not CIA. <laughs> the DIA? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. It, Come on, uh, Bruckheimer. Yeah, whichever they refer, they say like, oh, he's going even further. Right. And then there's even references with Clay at certain times where he's like, you know, these people feel nothing right. and like that kind of stuff, like breeding a new type of soldier. And they're basically superheroes. Yeah. Like the way Junior fights, he's basically a superhero. He's like Captain America style. Yeah. But then this new guy comes in, this this other younger, younger clone, this third clone. Yeah. And he's like on crack. He's speeding around, jumping yeah. around. Gravity is not his no. enemy. And then they take him out. And has quickly. some amazing suit that. This he bulletproof can, helmet, bulletproof suit. Yeah. And they wind up killing him anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of like, eh, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's, listen, I still had a good time. Still enjoyed it. it, it it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly valid entertainment. Um, but, David, unless you have any of the nitpicks, I'm done. I think done. that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget uh, that you can get free episodes of the Popcorn Diet delivered to you for free just by hitting that subscribe button. Take just a second, give us a rating, write us a review. We really appreciate just those few seconds that you take to not only uh, hit that subscribe button, but share the Popcorn Diet with any of your good movie buddies. Don't forget to find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Popcorn Diet. Consider giving a few bucks to the to this labor of love. Help us make it better and get yourself early access to, to regular weekly episodes as well as special patron-only content. Don't forget you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, reviews, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we will see you next time when it's time that we nut up or shut up, David, because we're going to be seeing Zombieland double tap and talking about it next week on The Popcorn Diet. Adios.